Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. In the time that it took for the intro to play, Brogan Rafferty was called up and sent down four more times, believe it or not. Good for him. His, I, <laughs> he's collected six hours of an NHL salary. I, the mileage must be insane that he's, he's picking up. It's, he's just in that little funk right now. Teams have those players, right, where they don't want to call anyone up to do anything other than sit in the press box. And so Rafferty just fits that bill. They're not going to be calling up Edvinson to do that. They want him playing games, although he's hurt right now. And you just see their name. If you go to their cat-friendly page, any team, you'll see one guy like up and down a million different times. I wonder if the NHL will ever change that. But anyhow, Brogan Rafferty, I hope you have some podcasts you like to listen to because quite a bit of driving. If he's actually in the car for all those times, which who's to say that that's actually the case. He just takes his helicopter. Yeah. Grand Rapids to Detroit. You know those AHL salaries, right? It's uh, it's private helicopter, at least a couple of helipads at your estate, that kind of thing. Sounds about right. Wrong sport, I think. There's no live NHL. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet, and that might not actually be a, a joke. Give us 10 years. We'll see where we're at. That might be Utah's way into the league. They're going to be. <laughs> Would Evan accept Utah into his league is what I'm wondering. Anyhow, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. We're here to talk to you about all things Detroit Red Wings hockey, the world of the NHL, and lots more. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. On this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, we're going to be talking to you about the two Detroit Red Wings games since the last time we spoke. One of them we were very nervous about because it was Detroit versus Tampa Bay, and not just Detroit versus Tampa Bay in the NHL, it was Detroit versus Tampa Bay in the NFL as well. So we were hesitant to speak too confidently about those games, and we were rewarded. Brad, you, Newsy, everyone else who's a a Bills fan, my condolences, we don't have to talk about it beyond that. We're going to be talking about the Red Wings uh, win against Tampa Bay and then their loss against Dallas last night. A couple of their storylines with the Red Wings, the Rasmussen, Cop, Fisher line being uh, kind of quietly very, very good for them. The power play, what's gone well, what's gone poorly, uh, etc. We're going to be talking about NHL news, which was a buzz today. Uh, First, the Hockey Canada probe, which has moved forward and there are presumptive charges coming within the next little while here with five or so players implicated uh, with nothing confirmed quite yet. We're going to be talking about the uh, Utah Salt Lake City trying to break into the NHL and requesting an expansion process uh, in the NHL, basically using this to press on the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, Corey Perry has been signed by the Edmonton Oilers and lots more before overtime. Before all that, I want to let you know that Saturday, March 2nd against the Florida Panthers is Winged Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA. What that is, is a partnered event between us, the Winged Wheel Podcast, and the Detroit Red Wings, where we host a live episode of the show at Little Caesars Arena before the Red Wings game. When you get tickets, you don't only get access to that event. You also get access, of course, to the Red Wings game at a discounted rate. You get a special co-branded Detroit Red Wings and Winged Wheel Podcast cap. It's limited edition. We're only allowed to give them away at that game. There's going to be a special guest at the live episode, and his name is Ken Daniels, and there's going to be some more people there as well. There's going to be an opportunity to buy food and drinks. 
Uh, a portion of the proceeds from every ticket sold will benefit the Jamie Daniels Foundation, which is really the reason we're doing this whole thing. And your game tickets, they're going to bring you into special Winged Wheel podcast sections. So whether it be Lower Bowl, Upper Bowl, or even in the Gondola, which is the same view that Ken and Meg call the games from, you're going to be sitting with Winged Wheel podcast listeners. And you might even spot uh, myself, Brad, or Evan out there. So go to the link in the description, Saturday, March 2nd, against the Florida Panthers. Get your tickets today. Only the first 400 tickets get the special co-branded Detroit Red Wings and Winged Wheel podcast hat. So link in the description or type wingedwheelpodcast.com slash Red Wings into your browser. Again, only first 400 tickets. Get the cap. All right. The Red Wings played Tampa Bay. And they followed in lockstep with the Lions, who beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win a second playoff game in a million years. So the city of Detroit was already incredibly hyped. Uh, Little Caesars Arena was flooded with Honolulu Blue, which was very, very cool to see. And I think everyone was just energized by that. And Detroit ended up winning. It's kind of always like this. If you're going to beat Tampa Bay, you're not going to score much. But they ended up winning a 2-1 game against Vasilevsky and the Lightning. So it was Detroit beats Tampa Day, absolutely. And I think we should be making that a holiday moving forward based on the gravity of that day. It's certainly something that couldn't have happened that often in sports history. No. Same city beats the same city back to back across the street from each other. That The, the circumstances to have that even align as a possibility let alone it actually follows through. It's crazy. Sports are pretty poetic sometimes. And it's not like Detroit and Tampa Bay as cities have had like massive sports rivalries that transcend eras. Like I think the Red Wings and the Lightning have hated each other in the past, but not like this. But it's pretty cool for both teams to be visiting at the same time and for both of them to be beaten by Detroit. That is very cool. Yeah. That part I was fond of. Didn't see a lot of Tampa Bay fans there. Area of champions, my ass. (laughs) So first off, I'm going to be wearing this uh, Lions hat until, you know, the end of the playoffs, whatever that is. But the way I feel as a Lions fan is that this is house money at this point. But I can't even tell you how I feel as a Lions fan right now. I think Lions fans, it, it feels surreal to know that if they win one more game, they're in the Super Bowl. I was explaining this to Mel. I was like, at the start of the season, you look at, you know, the Patriots any given year or you know, the Rams or whoever, and you're like, oh, I wonder if they'll go to the Super Bowl. It doesn't even, at the start of a season, you don't even think about that as a possibility for the You have Lions. imposter syndrome. Yes. Yeah. So, already thrilled. Anyhow, the Red Wings. Overall, I mean, Vasilevsky was a freak that game, but Detroit brought it to Tampa Bay, and I, if they didn't shoot enough against Carolina, they definitely got the message and they came out firing they were heavily out shooting Tampa Bay especially through the first half of the game there like that was they understood what they did wrong against Carolina and they remedied that quick yes absolutely sometimes the correct solution is the simplest solution we were making fun of ourselves in overtime of last episode saying here we are this hockey podcast with deep insights uh hit more shoot more be good pretty much well I'll be damned it worked it worked uh, the game opened with Tampa Bay scoring. It was a Victor Hedman shot. That was one of those plays where you just see the talent of another team on display. What Kucherov did on that play, the give and go with Hedman cutting across the ice to pull the play towards him and then making that pass. Like You not, do that in like beer league, not in professional hockey. 
I'd be amazed if you have teammates that good in beer league. I do not. <laughs> I, I, you know, I've heard you can do this in beer league. Not that I've seen it with my own eyes. Kucherov is, and this is going to sound silly because of how many times he's been near or at the top of NHL scoring, but he really is underrated in the the superstar conversations. Like McDavid, obviously, Matthews, uh, McKinnon. Kucherov's name isn't in there enough. He has more three-point games than zero-point games this season. He's a freak. There are a, a few freaks in the NHL, and at least a couple of them live on Tampa Bay, and he's one of them. The NHL has this thing, though, where they don't like rewarding the A-holes. No, and he, he, he's, uh, he's not fun to play against. No, no. He is, he is a lot more Brad Marchand than Sidney Crosby. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, but hey, it works for, works for Tampa Bay. Anyhow, uh, the Red Wings tied it. End of the first period, Lucas Raymond uh, shot from the high slot and the puck squeaked through Vasilevsky. It was kind of a, an unlikely goal to see that happen too often, uh, but he managed to get it through, and that was key for Detroit to score at the end of the period there. First of all, to know that Vasilevsky can bleed, that you can even get the puck through, that very much like it's good for a confidence of a team who's trying to get through that brick wall because that guy is just insane to play against. And in the second period, Daniel Sprung on the breakaway made no mistake. He went low glove on the breakaway on Vasilevsky. Uh, celebrated. You saw him pointing up uh, upwards later on. And I think Ken Daniels said on the broadcast the next game that uh, he was pointing at Patrick Kane, who told him go low glove on Vasilevsky. So Patrick Kane, even from the IR, is giving Detroit <laughs> a boost. Daniel Sprung pointing to a higher power. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, an injured... 35-year-old Patrick Kane up in the press box. We, we know what he said. <laughs> and the Red Wings end up winning the game. Again, they outshot Tampa Bay. That was, it put Larkin on an eight-game point streak. Lyon was near perfect again, stopped 28 of 29 shots. Most importantly, Detroit had a huge divisional win against Tampa Bay, and those two are going to be battling it out for the rest of the season. At least Detroit hopes in terms of a potential uh, wild card or playoff spot. And what a wacky statement on both ends of that spectrum. Yeah. It could be, it could be a divisional seat that they're competing for, depending on how Detroit holds on here. Like the amount of standing swaps between the Leafs, Lightning, and Red Wings over the last uh, seven to 10 days is truly something nobody expected at any point this year. Detroit is making the most of games even when they play poorly. And Tampa Bay is definitely on the other side of their, you know, however long dominance. And Toronto is doing, God knows what Toronto is doing, because they shouldn't be this bad. No, but uh, hey. You'll take they're, it. They're getting Ryan Reeves back now. Loose knees, Ryan Reeves. The Leafs are playing one of their makeup games to like catch up to the Red Wings and games played tonight. They have to play Winnipeg. Good luck. Not too much, though. The... That statement by Ryan Reeves very quickly, that was so funny. Oh, I, he, he knew what he was doing. No, no, I mean the loose knees one. Oh. Him complaining about being on IR, we'll get to that later, but him saying he has loose knees and if he gets out of bed too aggressively, his knees pop out. I was like... What is he? Who's he, Lieutenant Dan? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> I read that out to Mel and she's like, am I, is that a sports thing? I'm like, no, loose knees, that's not, you don't hear that all the time. That's not good. That can't be good. Your knees pop out. If you don't wear knee braces in practice, you can't, your knees pop out. That, that's not a healthy man. It's certainly not normal. 
When you say I've torn my knees so many times, <laughs> like, not even a specific ligament, just your whole knee. Just all of my knees. It's a minefield. It's I, actually only held together by the skin. The skin and the knee braces, that's it. <laughs> Thank God for shin pads, I suppose. Oh, my God. Anyhow, uh, that was Detroit's win. One against Tampa Bay and a good bounce back compared to the Carolina game. And then last night they had the Dallas Stars, and that was a that was a different one. Let's talk about whiplash again. <laughs> Are you talking about from Tampa to Dallas or from the first period to the second period? It all depends on your uh, your lens you're using because it all applies. I I you know wiped off the lens as I was watching the second period because Detroit was it was it was a combination of Detroit and Dallas. And let's let's start with the game. Jamie Ben opened scoring, and we're all worse off for it. And then uh, Perron scored on the power play, and then Debrinket scored on the power play. Perron's goal was a snipe. Credit to him. I think he's been showing a lot more recently his, like, despite limitations to his skating or whatever, similar storylines to last year where he's finding a way to be effective when Detroit needs him to, like either on the power play or on the top line, like he's contributing there. That was his 10th goal of the season. Uh, Detroit's second power play, uh, Alex Debrinket, great setup by Daniel Sprong. Sprong stole the puck, went behind the net, kind of did a little half spin pass to Debrinket, who made no mistake and placed a perfect shot. And we were just talking about uh, Debrinket's kind of goal slump and hit how streaky he is. And Prashanth put out a really great graphic on visualizing how his goals uh, have come in bunches and how long the, the streakiness has been. Good to see him net his 18th. So Detroit went into the second period with a 2-1 lead. And then Dallas scored four times in the second period. And all of a sudden it was 5-2. And how many did Detroit score? Zero. Mm. That's not good. It was a combination of Dallas showing off why they're a cup competitive team. I got some pushback on this last night, but I, I really do feel passionate that Dallas is just like that was a clinical performance by them because Detroit has played that poorly in other games where they've either not been punished that bad or they've even ended up winning. But they did that against a cup competitive team and one who is ready in Dallas made them pay every single time. What the hell could people have given you pushback on for that? Well, they said it was more that Detroit was bad, not that Dallas is so good. I'm like, no, no, no. It's a combination of both. Like Dallas isn't, that's a good team, man. Yeah. Detroit played worse than that against San Jose and still won somehow. That, and that's what I'm talking about. Like you can get away with playing like that against some teams in the league, but you can't, <laughs> you can't do that for too many minutes against the Dallas Stars. Red season. Wings can do it for a full game against San, San Jose, but they cannot do it for a period against Dallas as we witnessed yesterday. It was Detroit was playing like sloppy turnovers, which it's been creeping into their game more and more recently, but the turnovers were sloppy, careless with the puck, just kind of no accountability in their play. And it, it all snowballed. We were talking before the episode, Evan, you, you don't see Derek alone call too many timeouts. And I'm not sure why, like that period was, I think, ripe for one, unless he called one and I missed it, but he, he just generally doesn't. And it looked like it, like, that was a mental period for Detroit. It just got away from them. Yeah, I don't know. And it's not like in the San Jose game where they gave up three goals in, like, a minute when it's like you just need to call a timeout just to settle things down. The goals were kind of spread out, so, you know, it is tricky in finding your timing to call it, but you either got to call a timeout that at some point in that second period and calm everybody down or you go nuclear on them and rip them a new asshole. If I'm allowed to say asshole on this podcast anymore, <laughs> I don't know. You got to do one of the two, I think. The Red Wings haven't done or taken a lot of timeouts this season. 
So, but that's a whole nother topic of conversation. But yeah, rough second period, and you, it's hard to come out of a, a period like that with any sort of confidence. And it was, it felt like it sunk them. You almost thought for a second that Christian Fisher got one back on the board, but he was offside by a couple inches there. And so that came back. Christian Fisher, it was a great shot. And honestly, uh, through that game, even through that terrible second period, they were talking on the broadcast. That was another continuation of Fisher, Rasmussen, and Cop. Like they were one of Detroit's best lines. And it, that, that game was another demonstration of it. And then you saw that Fisher goal and you're like, oh, sweet. He got some life back into them. And then the offside review took it back. And it was the right call. It wasn't even like it was pretty black and white, albeit close. And then after that, you felt just so deflated. And then Detroit made it interesting, but it was too little too late. Like, I, I think they looked better in the third to the point where you're like, yeah, that just goes to show that second period didn't need to be that bad. You understand a turnover happens from time to time and Dallas is a really good team, so they'll make you pay for it, but not to the the degree that they kind of messed up that second period. It ended up being a 5-4 game. After the Fisher non-goal, though, Larkin on Detroit's third power play scored. Lucas Raymond had a really smart setup where he kind of pulled the play towards him and passed the buck back to Larkin in the slot, who made no mistake. And Larkin, who is, that's a nine-game point streak for him now, and I don't think he's been playing to his standards, his best hockey. Like He's been producing, but also the, the giveaways have been kind of off his stick. He looks a little off. I wonder if there's you know an injury there or something, but even when Larkin's you know, having an off little stretch here, he's on a nine-game point streak, which is nice. And then JT Confer made it interesting at the end where Detroit scored at the empty net, and they had about three minutes after that to try to tie the game. Ultimately, they came up short. Dallas did what they needed to do. Uh, even with a clearing the puck over the glass penalty, Dallas was able to kind of keep Detroit away. But Detroit hung in there, which has been the storyline all season. But without that one period, even if you take away 10 minutes of that period where they were they completely collapsed, that could have been another stolen result for Detroit. Two thoughts here first. One, I love how when you brought up the offside review, you didn't even look at me. And did not stop talking you for a solid well. two minutes <laughs> you know so that I well. couldn't jump in there. To surprise you, I'm okay with that one. It took him 10 seconds to review. Even yeah. though 480p yeah. cameras could see that that yeah. one was if, you, if the review is that quick, oh, that's how it's supposed to work. That's what it's there for. Fine with it. But yeah, this is the problem with the Red Wings this year. We've seen them be great. We've seen them be bad. And outside of December, it doesn't seem like they can do either of them consistently, most of the time within the same 60-minute game. Experience Red Wings hockey. You know what? I will say in a broader view, that's the kind of thing that takes a longer time to develop. Like Consistency is the most difficult thing as a professional athlete and as a collective team. 100%. But that also comes with talent. And I know we state the obvious with this team all the time in that regard. But you have a lot of guys punching above their weight for Detroit this year, which is a great thing. I'm not using that as a negative connotation here. But when you guys, when you have guys overperforming expectation, well, for stretches, they're going to play to expectation or below, in which case this team can't compete. You know, you look what you're getting out of Daniel Sprung this year. I think we knew he'd be good, but you know, he gets on these heaters. The Brink gets a very streaky player. And when he's on a heater, you're going, JT Comfer has been better than expected. And I can go down and down the list and keep rattling off guys like that. But when you have a second period, where all of them are invisible and they don't control the puck 
and then they leave this patchwork defense to their own devices for a full period. Yeah. It, it is, it's what's going to happen. I don't think this team's constructed to be consistent. I don't think they can. I think all of us at this table and almost everybody listening right now would agree Based on the way they've played this year, they should not be as high in the standings as they are. They've had some good fortune, whether that be great goaltending from Lions, some good shooting percentages. But overall, they've played better than expectation. Yeah, I'd like to clarify. Like they've they've earned their way to where they are, yeah. and it's better than what you would expect based on what they have. Exactly. And both things can be true. Have they played better than we thought they would be this year? Yes. Have they gotten luckier than they should have this year? Also, yes. And that's why we're when we joke about they're going toe-to-toe with Tampa and Toronto in the standings right now, it's actually happening. That's not even a joke. That is what's happening right now. Yeah. Detroit's a power play. Like, they went three for four that game, and the, the fourth one was the like the end of the game where it was all hands on deck for Dallas to, to just get through in regulation. At one point there, they were three for three, and Detroit is now a top 10 power play team. They're at 23%. I think they mentioned on the broadcast it was 27 power play goals in their last 32 games. Like this is a team whose power play has been potent. And you know, I mentioned before Perron chipping in, Larkin even when he's playing poorly is able to to contribute there if DeBrincat can get going and use this to to rally some momentum. He doesn't need to be scoring every game, but with some kind of consistency. And even you saw his goal, like that was a sm- that was a shooter shot. It was a very smartly placed shot and his his ability to kind of move in tighter in the offensive zone. Which goal was it where he kind of quickly deked around a guy? It was Confer's. He he quickly deked around a guy to to set Confer up for that goal in front or get the shot off that Confer buried in front. Debrinkit, like that, when we talk about the Red Wings being able to play better even than they are now, Debrinkit, him showing that off more is part of that in my mind. Yeah, the Wings have a high shooting percentage this year, but that's because they've got better shooters than they had last year, Dabrinka being the forefront of that. When you have elite shooting talent, it's not enough to be a good shooter. Look at what's happened with Patrick Laine over the years. You can have the best shot in the league, but if you never get open and you never present yourself as a passing threat, it's easy to stop you. And like I said, we had two instances in this game alone where Dabrinka did what he was supposed to do, and it yielded a shot. And a goal for him. And then on the next play, he made a play happen. It resulted in a shot. And it didn't get him a goal, but it still ended up in the net. Yeah. Let's talk about Rasmussen, Kopp, and Fisher. It's been a, a nice little run for that line. Energy, hard-hitting, fourth, you know, or, or bottom six checking line, however they're deployed. Like, that is, they've had some really, really good results. Defensive assignments obviously they're not going to be scoring the lights out but uh been like quietly really good for detroit you don't have to think too hard to understand what that line's role purpose and style is gonna be yeah yeah but uh some appreciation to them and i think it's been anytime you can find a spot where rasmussen really kind of meshes and is able to play his game i think that's the most important part of it obviously you want to get cop in a place where he's able to contribute i think fisher's been good for what he's been asked to do all season but rasmussen especially you you fit him in as a really efficient cog in this team and they tend to do well when you do that okay so that's the red wings their two games all in all dallas like yeah the second period sucked it was good that they made it interesting at the end 
uh, someone said when we were talking about it after the game, there's no real shame in losing to Dallas. You do hope that they could have done without that second period, but overall, you know, those games are going to happen. You're not lighting any alarm fires for that. Uh, upcoming Detroit has Philly on Thursday night at home and Vegas on Saturday night at home. We're going to be back with you on Monday. So our usual Sunday episode has been pushed to Monday because this weekend is winged wheel podcast night with the Grand Rapids Griffins. And so we're going to need time to get back from Grand Rapids on Sunday. We're also uh, adopting a dog, not us, the podcast, although in essence, you guys are like godparents to Abby already. So Tully will be no different. You got to let. Now is the time to invest in Oscar Meyer stocks because it is $2 hot dogs on Friday night at the Grand Rapids <laughs> Griffins game, and I'm going to put a dent in that supply. Hold on, hold on. How am I just finding out about this? No, we've talked about this Have before. we? Was I here? Is it, is it an every Friday night? I, every like, Friday I've never night been game? to Grand Rapids before, Evan. I don't know, but now my excitement level went from a 10 out of 10. To a 12 out of 10. It I'm is clearly a glizzy connoisseur. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to have to roll you two back, all three of us, back into our cars to drive back home. This is going to be dangerous for me because even though they're $2, Evan is going to consume an unholy amount. I am going to consume an unholy amount. Wait till you see what Hank does to the supply. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to triple in size. This is his favorite food. Dude's rock, man. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> I love hot dogs. Where we can't wait. We have a list of restaurants, bars, uh, spots to hit breweries in Grand Rapids. So we're really, really excited. But uh, can't wait to see you all there. So this usual weekend uh, schedule, it's going to be just pushed out a day. So Sunday's episode is going to be moved to Monday, at which point we'll cover the Philly game and the Vegas game. So that is where Detroit is at right now. In the standings, it's uh, much a similar picture to when the when we spoke last. Detroit is still in the mix for that wild card spot. Currently in the second wild card spot with Toronto right ahead of them at the time of recording. Jersey behind them has a better points percentage, uh, and then the Islanders, Capitals, uh, Penguins, etc., are all in the mix as well. So Detroit is still in that kind of uh, a spot, and Tampa Bay is right ahead of them. Detroit, Toronto, and Tampa Bay is still. You're right. It sounds so weird. Pittsburgh could really use some points. They could. They Hey, they're getting easy goals at least. Well, that's why they're going to trade Jake Ensel. That goal uh, they was... might trade uh, Evgeny Malkin after that last one. They've, they're really not happy with Evgeny Malkin in, in Pittsburgh right now. Because of that goal or because of his play? Just that there, I saw a lot of that plays a microcosm of Evgeny Malkin's on one of those I don't care years. You know how he alternates? Yeah. yeah. Okay. How can you not... How can you be like that when you're can that watch counted. Sidney Crosby doing what he's doing right now? Can I ask you guys about that goal? Am I wrong by saying that that I think it, it was Malkin's screw up? I yes. believe that. Uh huh. Latang should not have made that pass. No, absolutely not. You don't make that pass because an idiot might do an idiot thing. Yes, and exactly. I'm not calling Malkin an idiot. I just assume everybody is an idiot until proven otherwise. Your net's empty. Back passes towards your own net, you're going to end up on highlight of the night, not for a good reason. Like, I've had coaches tell me straight up, yeah. if we are on a delayed penalty and you have the puck in the offensive zone, the blue line's not an option unless it's right up the boards. Yeah, I've I've been told the same thing. Like, don't call for a pass to the blue line because if that careens past you or gets, yeah. you know, it bumps off your stick or anything, it's going to be ugly. Yeah, 100%. You have one defenseman glued to the boards to keep, like, any, like, emergency rim rounds to keep the cycle going. Mm -hmm. 
the other defenseman might as well change or go to the front of the net because he ain't getting the puck. To to clarify what happened here, Pittsburgh had a uh, delayed penalty call in their favor. Latang was trying to make a decision with the puck. He was being pressured by the Coyotes player in his own zone. He saw Malkin out of the corner of his eye. Malkin was floating from uh, just in front of the net to the side to in front of the net. Latang did a quick back pass to no look back pass to Malkin. It's worth noting this was maybe a five foot pass. Yeah, Malkin was caught off guard by it or just. No, he just reached out with one hand very casually to corral it back. Pulled it into the path of the net, fumbled the puck, and the puck went in their own net. Yeah, Latang's pass was going to miss the net. That's the funniest part of this all. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, (laughs) that's rough, man. Against the Coyotes, too. Like, I don't know why that just makes it worse because you're in that arena playing that team. It's the mullet experience, man. It's the it's the pressure of Mullet Arena getting onto them. <laughs> That's right. How are you All th- three thousand people screaming. Is it? Th- yeah. How are you going to threaten to relocate them when that when they affect the other team to that degree where they're scoring on their own net? Didn't Come they on. have a crazy good home record last year? They last year at the Mullet. They have a good rec- home record this year again too. Arizona is like a people don't appreciate how good of a team they actually are based on what expectations were. Oh yeah, if if they were a stock, you'd be buying. Anyhow, uh, more a little bit more on the Red Wings. Sean Shapiro uh, put out an article on Shapshots and it was about Detroit and their ability to practice and that maybe being why January has started off a lot better than what uh, December was for Detroit. And it's, it's a concept we've talked about a little bit in the past where the grind, you know, either a road trip or how Sweden messed things up in terms of Detroit's schedule or anything like that. Detroit was basically like boom, 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 game, 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 travel, travel, travel. Not terribly dissimilar than other teams, but they felt that their inability to practice is why they got so, and not in a good way, loose and off. And it's part of why December was so bad. So Derek Lalone mentioned that January being able to practice more is how you were able to tighten things up, work on your game, special teams, etc. It makes sense. It's like overly simplistic. Like what we talked about before, Brad, shoot more the puck was more likely to go in. Like you, you boil it down. It seems almost stupid. You're able to practice more. You're going to be better. Yeah. hundred percent. And it's not even necessarily establishing systems or anything like that, because even with no December practices, I don't care what the Red Wings are running like a one, two, two, a two, one, two, you know, a man to man D zone, a, a zone D zone coverage. That is all firmly established in their heads. But what was happening in December and likely led to this is Lalone finally got a real good look at what wasn't working in the systems and did not have the ability to adjust. Yeah. And then January came around. All right. So here's where we're having success. Here's what's not working. Let's tweak this. Let's tweak that. Let's tweak this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that would be a huge, huge, if I'm being honest, because if, if the team was forgetting their regular systems and their basic systems after like three months of training camp and practices. We got bigger problems than not practicing. (laughs) So something else to point out is that not every team practices a lot or on a regular schedule. Uh, A lot of it has to do with rest, like 82 games in this condensed of a season. It's tough to do. So a lot of teams, they might have optional skates, but in terms of full-fledged practices and stuff, you might find teams that don't do much of anything at all. I'll, I'll link to Sean's article in the description so you can read more in depth. And I think that might be a privilege for more, like sometimes it's a personal preference thing for coaches, but it might be a privilege more for 
organizations who have guys who've been there for a long time and they've been established as a, you know, near on dynasty for a long time. If you have, for example, a, a Tampa Bay type or a Pittsburgh type where those guys have been playing together for a while, you might not need the practice. You're better off with the rest. You could do with the age of your guys. But if you're a team who's trying to find their identity and be good consistently for the first time in this era, it's not likely that you're going to get that way without, you know, a lot of grinding to kind of establish who you are before it becomes muscle memory and automatic. Yeah, the Red Wings need the time, especially when you're slumping, you really want the practice time to really slow things down at practice and really work through things. When you don't have that time, it, it just continues to snowball and you can't get yourself out of that funk. Like you can't make those changes in on, in a video session or just talking through it. It's impossible. You have to practice through them. Anyways, cool to read. So Detroit, Tampa Bay, that was great. Dallas, kind of bad and then kind of fun. So at least they hung in there for that one. And uh, they have the two games upcoming and we'll be back with you. Let's jump into NHL news now. All of it good. Yeah. Wow. Super positive day. What a morning. So folks might know of the, the Hockey Canada investigation based on the 2018 World Junior Team. Uh, there were uh, allegations of sexual assault uh, based on certain members of that team. The This has been ongoing forever. Like we've been talking about this for a long, long time. And to the point where some people were wondering if the investigation was even going to come to any kind of fruitful end in terms of illuminating a little bit more of what happened or if there's any justice to be served, whether that was going to happen. The investigation at points looked like it fizzled away. At points, it looked like it was ready to be kind of announced and things were really going to get moving. Anyhow, uh, there was an announcement that five members from Canada's 2018 World Junior Team uh, have been told to surrender to London, Ontario police. Uh, they are allegedly facing sexual assault charges related. Uh, certain members of that 2018 team have been granted uh, leaves from their NHL teams or professional hockey teams. The reasons weren't disclosed. And I know a lot of people want the NHL and the NHL teams to comment officially on it, but you can understand why they're legally bound to say or not say what the leaves are for. Uh, anyhow, Carter Hart, uh, Philly goaltender, was the one who really got people uh, uh, you know, buzzing that this might be something that was happening with the investigation. So he, his leave was announced. Dylan Dubé uh, out of Calgary. Uh, Alex Formanton, former Ottawa Senator, currently playing over in Europe, uh, was granted a leave from his team. Uh, Michael McLeod and Cal Foote out of New Jersey. So those are the names that people are linking to this. You obviously can't say anything for certain until charges are pressed. Uh, maybe by the time you're listening to this, more has come out. Um, the London police said uh, they're not able to give an update right now, but they plan on a press conference based on obviously the extreme amount of public interest in this on February 5th. So again, it's not that things are going to get solved or illuminated overnight here, but the investigation seems to be moving forward. Uh, as usual, we're not going to you know, speculate without knowing the details and with any kind of official police investigation. This is just kind of a wait and see scenario, but this is really, really significant. Like NHL, NHL players have left their teams as part of this. Depending on how this turns out, NHL careers could be over. Yep. You don't, you, you can't guess as to how anything's going to turn out. But. Yeah. Cause and the NHL apparently was doing their own investigation as well. 
and you know, there's two two sides of this coin to remember. On the you know legal side, presumption of innocence until proven guilty. So the NHL likely can't do anything and won't do anything until they know the outcome of this process. But it's also important to remember that in the initial allegation, it was eight or nine players and it seems they only had enough evidence to charge five, Yeah, which is, you know, read into that, whatever you want, but it's worth mentioning. So that's, uh, it's been a long time kind of coming in terms of we've literally been seeing this playing out in slow motion for years now. This was a pretty significant day. Something else that happened this morning, and I'm going to explain a little bit of a timeline. So this news was coming out slowly over the last day or so. And then this morning, the, it was announced that the, you know, the five team members were asked to surrender to police. Funny enough this morning, you know, Utah and the organizations that control uh, uh, the major sports, there all belonging to Ryan Smith, who's going to be the next, one of the next owners of an NHL team, very buddy, buddy with the NHL. Uh, they put out a statement asking the NHL to open up their expansion process and that they want to bring hockey to Salt Lake City, et cetera, et cetera. This isn't a new thing. They've wanted this for a long time. It's been practically public knowledge. The timing of it, though, within like an hour of everything flowing out this morning. 17 minutes, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And then within the hour, I think within like 40-ish minutes, the NHL had a prepared statement in response to the Salt Lake City thing. And I thought, wow, the NHL who's famously reserved. Couldn't pencil David Perron in (laughs) under an hour? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I was wondering where that was going. They had a prepared state, like they had a statement in response to a statement all in the public view. Now, the implication here that I make, I'm going to state it plainly, is that the NHL ran a big news story that is either neutral to positive to distract from the fact that they have literal NHL players who are maybe submitting themselves to police for sexual assault charges. That is bad press. It's not that the it's the NHL's fault. This is a Hockey Canada problem mainly, but that's bad press. And so they are running good press to try to drown it out. The timing of it was just so obtuse. Someone, the NHL and, and other people have said the NHL had this uh, a press kind of announcement planned for a week because it's kind of a pressure situation in Arizona. And we'll talk about the details in a minute here. Whether it was convenient or planned, the NHL, in my opinion, released that this morning to try to run some good PR. And I thought, why even do that? This is a, like, it's not even like, it's a Hockey Canada issue. I get why they were doing it. The answer is. Because everything percolates back up to the NHL. It does. And that's the answer. And it's not about the people who are tuned into every single thing happening in the hockey world. That's not about us. It's about casual fans. Because if casual fans look up NHL that day and the the news is just as much about possibly an expansion team in a major U.S. metropolitan market as much as it is about this Hockey Canada thing, that's what the NHL wants. They know all of the diehard fans are going to see right through it. But it's still left a sour taste in your mouth. Oh, 100%. But if there's anything Gary Bettman is known for, it's really having his pulse on what's going on in the NHL's fan base. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's a, it's not an NHL exclusive tactic. You dump bad news on a Friday, you bury bad news in when people are really happy about something to the point where they're irrational. Like 
you dump bad news on over the holidays when people aren't paying attention. Like it happens in politics. It happens in sports. It happens in. That's why I buy Catherine wine before I tell her I have a golf trip. (laughs) Do you actually do that? (laughs) Oh, you gotta, you gotta grease the wheel a little bit. How expensive of a bottle of wine? Depends how far he's traveling. (laughs) (laughs) Depends, Depends on length of trip, attendees, location, time of year. Uh, it's all a factor. That's a good, I need to write that one down. But yeah, the NHL ran that. And so I understand why people were like, you know, stop making a meal out of this. The two news stories can happen at the same time. That's absolutely true. I believe these are two independent, legitimate, completely different tone and substantial news stories. They're, they are like even the Utah one. It is. But amidst everything that was happening this morning for that to come out, you're just like, can this league just one time? <laughs> just Wait, you're one- mad at them for doing that? For running the the... I wasn't surprised that they they pushed that out at all. I'm not surprised. Surprise is different. Yeah, not surprised. It just, but you know what? Even for for running that, it felt stupid. Like it felt like feeble. Well, what? This is I'm. Am I playing devil's advocate here by saying, well, what else are they going to do? Wait till at least five p.m. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I suppose. No, but the stupidity of this and why I tend to fall with Ryan on this in the they did this on purpose it's in bad taste and it's plainly stupid if you have something you really want to hype up and I do want to talk about this as a serious story in a second about potential expansion to Utah super exciting 10 a.m. on a Wednesday probably isn't the time to release that news yeah crazy crazy that they released that news and anyways People who are like, the hockey world doesn't stop just because it's happen- this is happening and it's not on the NHL and so they don't need to halt their news cycle, you're not objectively wrong. But when it's like a, the NHL almost flung themselves into the fire in my mind. Is it the end of the world? No. Just a little complaint I have about how the NHL kind of operates this way. You're not wrong, Evan. I shouldn't be surprised. And I'm probably being a whiny baby about it. It's a Hockey Canada issue. Anyhow, let's talk about the expansion thing. Uh, I've said a million times on the show, I believe that no matter how close to the chess the NHL plays their cards, the billion dollar plus expansion fees are going to be too enticing for them to ignore. And my prediction to this day is that by 2030, they'll have plans for 36 teams. So four more. Utah, Salt Lake City, Ryan Smith as the owner, it seems to be inevitable. And it seems to be this one, maybe not an expansion, Thing, but uh, a coordinated effort for the league to put pressure on Arizona because what has been happening is as Arizona still is playing in Mullet Arena, a college arena where they can fit like 15 people in there, they've been there have been a various small news announcements for here and there about, oh, we're bidding on this place or this is where we think the arena is going to go or it's going to be, you know, in Phoenix or just outside of Phoenix and, oh, Glendale for a second. Like, but nothing's been solid. And the NHL apparently has asked Arizona to have an answer by the All-Star game. And it doesn't look like they're on track. That's in like weeks. It's by the time this episode's over, the All Star Games game. Like this three year plan at Mullet Arena is half over. That is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't blame the NHL for for putting pressure on them. And it's in the form of, hey, Ryan Smith, uh, our buddy, can you put out a whole uh, Utah's really hot to trot for an NHL team so we can have an official statement to respond? And that way, you know, Arizona can feel the heat because it might be that you get an expansion team or it might be that you get 
the Arizona Coyotes franchise. Yeah, it's a no, other than the timing of the post, it's a no-lose situation for the NHL, and it is smart. This is the type of garbage that we should actually give Gary Bettman credit for because he is a good tactician with stuff like this. It's a straight-up warning shot at Arizona. Logistically simple. Get your team together. We don't even, or else we're moving them, and we don't even need to change divisions. They're just going. And Ryan Smith is more than happy to oblige because he, you know, scratches their backs, helps, you know, improve his standing amongst the other owners and Gary Bettman. And he could potentially either have an expansion team where, you know, we've seen great results from recent expansion teams, or he gets the Arizona Coyotes who are very much on the up and up and would be an exciting team to cheer for in Salt Lake City. Yeah, it's a fail safe for an already bad situation. Or a huge payday if that situation resolves itself. It's a no-lose situation for the NHL. And and actually, I should mention, because in his release, they did make it a point to point out, we have an arena ready to go right now while we build the giant one for the 2030 Olympics or whatever year it's going to be. Like, it's there. You put the Coyotes, we can put the Coyotes in Utah tomorrow if you want. And it's not crazy to say that there's a, a universe where that might be what they have to do. I would almost call that the most likely scenario at this point. We know they're hot to trot on expansion because the stupid Atlanta rumors keep getting leaked out. And, you know, the NHL tries to pretend everybody can't see exactly what they're doing on that one. But I don't know that that's the NHL so much as certain insiders. Stuff, you could, you stuff could, doesn't get out from the league unless they want it to. You find trends in terms of who's delivering information. And sometimes you can understand who has connections where. Not to say Atlanta is not a serious location. It is. You're right, Brad. I think the the league only lets it get that big if they're honestly considering it. Yeah. Anyhow. They're gauging reaction. Yeah. All It's so many test balloons. And also for the NHL to have a, a statement in response within like 40 minutes is so funny because they may as well have just put out one statement. That's what they were doing. They were talking not to each other. They were talking to the public. And they know we know that. But the whole thing is just a lot of posturing and you're – the only heat here – no, this isn't an intentional joke. The only heat here is on Arizona. Like, they're the ones who are going to have to figure this out. I, I will want to say the clock's running out. The why would you even out. want to be the owner? I mean, there's lots of reasons why you'd want to be an owner of a professional sports team, but... Printing money is a good start. Yeah, well, maybe not in Arizona. Maybe not. But, like, why would you want this team... Right? Like, why would you want this added pressure? You got the league, the owner's... Which you're a, a colleague of want this team moved or you removed as the owner. You're not making a lot of money. You've got all this uncertainty about an arena where other than, you know, passion, which doesn't, I don't know. I've, to, I totally get that vibe. No, from it's not passion. Or, yeah. Like, what's the point in holding on to this team? Cash. Because if they figure Who it out, they're making money. any money. Because if they, they doesn't even have to be a good hockey team and it doesn't even have to be in an area where they care about hockey. I guess there's hockey. revenue sharing. Dude, they they professional sports more than ever are so lucrative. That is true. You just print money. Yeah, but you don't have an arena. the The gun is to your head to make to make a move or make a decision on an arena, and you still haven't figured it out. Like that's high pressure. That's high stress. Like you either figure it out or you don't. And it seems like Arizona would prefer to do neither. Well, that to me is the biggest thing of this whole story. Is this is as far as I'm concerned, reading between the lines, the first public acknowledgement, even though it's not, but it is, 
from Gary Bettman saying, all right, I'm ready to move on from Arizona. It's they, a very roundabout way of saying it, yeah. Yeah, he's he said, put out your statement. We're going to respond right away. We want everybody to know we have a backup solution right now. Mention the arena right now. Coyotes, get your crap together or you're playing in Utah next year. Like, he has defended the Phoenix metropolitan area probably more fervently than he would ever defend his own child. And this, this is the first Jenga block that has been pushed out. You want to know what I think? In no. the Atlanta, I know. Brad, do you want to know what I think? <laughs> do you want my honest answer? No, please. <laughs> For the sake of my, my sanity, I need you to lie. Uh, watching them flirt with the idea of going back to Atlanta, the NHL's only care here in terms of opening up new markets is what you alluded to. If you're a major metropolitan market and you're untapped in terms of hockey, they're going to go there eventually. Yeah, this 36 is just by 2030 is your prediction, which I, I agree with. I think it might be a little fast, yeah. fast, but you're on the right track. It's going to get up to 40 eventually. I don't even know. Oh, that. God. That makes me but that, sick to think about. But when it was an original 60 and how steadfast people were on that. I know. When the league was at 21 forever, do you think people were... It's just numbers. We're going to be begging for a fourth line center, let you, alone a first line center. You can go as deep as the talent pool will let you. And if you look at what's going on in the AHL right now, you can go deeper right now. And as minor hockey continues to grow, not in Canada, because that's not what matters here. We're always going to get here. But as minor hockey grows in the States and Europe and more non-traditional countries like Germany and Switzerland, it opens up the talent pool. And the bigger that talent pool gets, the more teams you can have and still produce a quality product. And again, if you can produce a quality product in 36 to 40 markets, well, now you're making money off 36 to 40 markets. That's way better for the league. And the, and the point I was making is if they don't figure it out in Arizona now, like you just said, Brad, the league is only going to get bigger. They'll come back later. Yeah, it could be the 38th team in the league. I don't care. Because they were talking about that with Atlanta. It'll be the third time in Atlanta that they might go back there. Third, they'll, if they have a, for them, figuring out Arizona finally or Utah right now is accomplishing the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. So you're obviously going to want to just play with the devil, you know, but at that point, it's been a long, long time. (sighs) Look, I don't want to see the coyotes moved. I I think it's the only, yeah, the fans always lose in these situations, but got to figure something out. You can't. The fact that they're halfway through the Mullet Arena plan is shocking because when they first put out that plan, I'm like, three years, holy. Half dead and they still don't have a solution. Like, And their hockey team's good. Their hockey team's good and they're only going to get better. And they're not even selling out the Mullet, are they? There's like, it's not been, they've not been making money hand over fist, I'll tell you that. Like, can't. It's smaller than the kitchen or odd. It's, it's a disservice to the league, especially like the NFL runs the roost right now. And there is not a single thing in the world of sports. I mean, the entire world that touches the revenue that the NFL brings in. I think they said 51 million people watched the Bills Chiefs game the other night. Weird. Was... I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> the only Bills fan in here missed the game. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I was unaware such a game was happening. But when I saw that sort of number, it's just astonishing how, the chasm between the two. The NFL and the NHL really is. And it's like 
no, the NHL is not expected to compete with the NFL, but if you have someone competing with that much of the pie, especially in America, you need to be winning some ground against the MLB, against the NBA, against the MLS. Formula One was getting bigger there for a second. I don't know. They're kind of petering out now. Like You can't be having a major market. One of the most preeminent sports markets in America right now is Phoenix. They're getting more attention in the world of golf. It's not just Florida anymore. People are figuring out Arizona is a great place to be for golf. Like You need to be making up ground against those other leagues. Otherwise, you're going to get swallowed up. Well, one big thing in business in general, you know, to you look at Vegas recently, you don't necessarily have to be the best to gain a foothold and to be successful. You just have to be first. Yeah. Vegas, Vegas has been a revelation for them. Yeah. The Golden Knights got into Vegas before the athletics, before the Raiders, before everything else. It helps that they were good their first year and they took over that town. Everybody who was saying, oh, another Southern market's going to fail. Absolutely wrong. Huge success for you. Seattle, huge success story. There's no NBA team there, so they had the leg up there. In Utah right now, at the professional level, it's just the Jazz. That's their only thing they're competing against, and the same guy is going to own both teams. And then you want to talk about expanding further than that? Just be first. Sounds like we need to go to Quebec City. It would succeed. Nobody here is saying it wouldn't succeed. There's the whole corporate issue, but you tell me you put a half decent, like a a non-bottom five of the league team in Quebec City, they're not selling out every game? No chance. Totally. We should put two teams in Toronto. But it's... Unironically, they should. But it's new US dollars versus Canadians who are going to pay for and watch hockey no matter what. See, this is the one thing I kind of fight back on because I agree with the theory that you want to grow in the biggest markets in North America because it's more ad revenue. It's, you know, more eyes. It's all the possibilities are endless, but yet somehow the NHL is still a predominantly gate driven league. Go to the places you're going to sell tickets and then worry about the rest. You know what would really help grow the sport of hockey if they had a best-on-best tournament at one of the biggest sporting events that happens once every four years? Evan, shut the hell up, and we're not going that far outside of the box here, okay? Best I can do is four countries. One team of under-21-year-olds. Ah, now we're men of reason. <laughs> you know what? I I was like, that was fun, but I want to see best on best. If they did, they if they actually go through with this four nations thing, I want the under the the team young players like the young stars yeah. once again. Hundred percent. Let's have Canada. Uh, no, we'll have team old of North America, team young of North America, team some of Europe, and then team Scandinavia. I have no interest in this. Well, nobody will. That's the problem with the it. Be- best we're gonna get for a while. Anyhow. This is this episode's kind of. Uh, it's been a busy news week for the NHL. It's been news a lot. Day. It's been a lot to the point where when Detroit played against Tampa Bay and they won, I was like, "Oh, that's going to be the tone for this episode." And it feels like a year has happened between. I right now. yes. Anyhow, let's talk about Corey Perry, who is signed for the Edmonton Oilers. Corey Perry, whose contract was terminated by the Chicago Blackhawks for something he did while he was drinking uh, on the road, either at a team event or while the team was traveling, whatever it was, it involved a staff member of some sort. 
Those are the only confirmed details that are out. Obviously, the NHL, the Blackhawks, Kane, and the Oilers aren't revealing anymore. Uh, it came out after that. It initially looked like Perry was like, oh, that's it for Perry. Like if it's bad enough where his contract was terminated, he's he's out. Well, then it came out that a lot of this was dictated by the fact that obviously Chicago has to play things completely like 100% above board and they can take zero risk for good reason. Uh, whatever Perry did was presumably bad enough to have his contract terminated, although the NHLPA is going to be, uh, or they're presumed to be challenging that to try and basically at the very least make sure that this isn't precedent setting because as a union, you have to protect the player's contracts no matter how unscrupulous or, or questionable their morals are. You need to, that's the NHLPA's job. And so even if Perry didn't want to go down that route, the NHLPA may very well push this to say like, nope, there need to be clear definitions on what a contract termination, what meets that sufficient standard. And if, whatever happened met that, then great, but if we think not, and thus you can't have done that. So you need to either have some kind of settlement or for the NHL or the team to agree that this isn't precedent setting and this is just a one-off. Anyhow, all that to say, Perry wasn't on any kind of can't return to the NHL list, was literally just a free agent. And so Edmonton, who's on a 14-game win streak, adds Corey Perry to their roster in the second half of the season. The team that also already has Vander Kane. Yeah, it's not a new move for them. It's not a good look. You're on a 14-game winning streak. You didn't need him. Well, at least we'll know now they'll make it to the Stanley Cup Finals and lose. I think Oilers fans would take that. The way this season started, yes. Yeah, 100% they would. Yeah, he'll be a valuable player to them on the ice. He wasn't having a halfway bad season on an awful team in Chicago coming in at a league minimum contract. You understand the appeal. Oh, totally. The... Old, the 200 hockey men, the old boys club, which Ken Holland is firmly in, they love a serial winner, which whether or not he's getting cups or not, he's getting through to the fourth round of the playoffs time after time after time. He's got gold medals. He's got a Stanley Cup. He's got a hard trophy. The resume of Corey Perry makes this move very, very obvious. But God, is it just such a bad look? Even if the incident isn't as bad as it was originally portrayed to be. It was still bad enough that Chicago went, yeah, no. (laughs) So when, again, he was having a good year for them. He was doing exactly what they brought him in for. And they still went, this is serious enough. We have to cut you. This is a pretty damn quick turnaround. This was not even two months ago. Kind of funny how fast it happened. Yeah, it was super fast. For a league where it's, this isn't the NFL, like you you don't just get cut. All your contracts are fully guaranteed. It's very hard to get out of them. It's very weird to see a player jump from team to team like that without a trade. Just two different contracts. Whatever he did, he cost himself a lot of money. Mm, Maybe. We'll see how, if that appeal. If he gets any kind of settlement. Yeah, yeah. because it's worth remembering. Mike Richards had his contract terminated and there was no debate about what he did. And it was serious. Evander, I don't know who those, who's those are officer. Evander Kane had his contract terminated and there was no debate about what he did. And it was bad. And they both won their appeals and got some money back. Yep. So a substantial amount of money back. I think the LA Kings are still paying Mike Richards. And oh, how long ago that was. That's my dream. <laughs> Boy, do I tell you, all you have to do is... <laughs> <laughs> so if 
Corey Perry chooses to appeal, there's a very strong likelihood he'll still be made whole. And all that was damaged was his reputation. Yeah, people will forget that pretty quick. Yeah, he didn't exactly have the most sterling reputation before, but that was from an on-ice standpoint. I think This so. is the classic, not the hall of good guys conversation that we have how many times a season? Don't idolize the people in the NHL. If if There's a lot of good people in the NHL, but just you're better off not. Yeah, yeah. Play if we're playing the odds here. Like I don't like that spin on the roulette wheel. People just want to see home runs, dingers. <laughs> what is it? You want to know the horrifying truth, or do you want to see me sock some dingers? <laughs> There's a Simpsons quote for everything. There really is. All right. I feel like this episode is just one of those ones. Other than me not being able to speak, you just gotta laugh, or you else just, you cry. Yeah. Yeah, let's get into overtime. Overtime is brought to you by our Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash podcast. If you want to join the Dub Dub Club and support the show, you get benefits like access to our Patreon exclusive Discord. You're also automatically entered into all of our giveaways. We're giving away two tickets to every Detroit Red Wings home game, the vast majority going directly to Patreon supporters. As well, you get access to our overtime bonus episodes, which record right after these main ones. Uh, all of that and lots more. Uh, you allow us to support the Jamie Daniels Foundation. You allow us to host Winged Wheel podcast nights with the Detroit Red Wings and the Grand Rapids Griffins. Uh, produce Expected by Whom, another show within our network hosted by Sean Shapiro and Prashant Iyer, and lots more. So again, patreon.com slash Winged Wheel podcast. Let's take some questions from our patrons. Jake Jarvis says, has the excitement of Marco Casper worn off? Despite his recent heater in Grand Rapids, there hasn't been much chatter on him. What do you think his upside is at this point, and when do you see him being a full-time Red Wing? It's the thing with prospects, you never know, because my opinion on what was going on with Marco Casper even a month ago to now has changed, and that will likely be the same thing for the next year. It's an ever-evolving topic. Right now, you know, the best-case scenario in my mind for Marco Casper JT Comfer. What's probably the most likely? Joe Valeno. Reality, I don't know, I'll say most likely, but I'll say on the, you know, lower end of the likely spectrum. What's probably going to end up happening is somewhere in between. Yeah, I would say coming into the season, you thought if he has a good camp, he could potentially make some noise on the Red Wings roster. You're obviously disappointed with how at the very least, his start to the season in Grand Rapids has panned out. Didn't really kick down any doors. Looked to still need a lot of adjustment time. If he continues to produce at this pace, I think a lot of the hesitation from early season will wash away. The questions when you drafted Casper of you know, what his offense could be, those are going to be what you need him to answer to define what his ceiling is. Because the the way he plays the game, the way he grinds, the way how he works, that presumably won't change. But... There's a difference between, you know, fourth line grinder, third line guy to someone who could potentially be in your middle six and produce from time to time. Also, remember that these aren't all fourth overall picks, right? Like just because they were Detroit's first pick and we're used to them picking high, like you can't expect the world from all of these guys, but they're still a top 10 pick. We've talked ad nauseum. It's all about the probabilities. Some guys will pan out. Some guys won't. Guys you think will pan out, don't. Guys you don't think will, do. Yeah. It's, it's how it works. So thankfully, we drafted the same basic prototype of a player back-to-back years in the top 10. So one of Danielson and Casper will solve a big problem, statistically speaking. You'd hope. 
If not, oh no. Dan Bell says, hey guys, anyone else remember uh, or sometimes forget that Huso plays for the Wings with Lyon playing so well and Reimer also doing what he needs? Does it seem that Huso is actually the trade piece, especially with the goalie prospects the Wings have? You know, uh, Lyon got pulled from the Dallas game. We didn't even mention that. And it was kind of a mercy. Reimer came in. I didn't have to make too many saves. But, you know, Lyon wasn't winning them that game, but Detroit also wasn't doing him any favors. And when they pulled him and Reimer was coming in, I went, oh boy. If Detroit's hanging their goalies out to dry and they have Reimer in for the third, that might get worse. Thankfully, Detroit kind of got back on track. But uh, I'm curious to see what happens when Huso gets healthy. Because if he can factor in, then I think he's a better goalie than what he showed at the start of the year. In terms of trade chip uh, in net, the Red Wings don't have one right now. They're in a playoff race. Lions the number one. You're not trading him. Huso is an unknown who's hurt, who's been streaky, and has an extra year on his contract. Nobody's touching that. And James Reimer's terrible. Nobody's touching that. This might just be one of those situations. It is what it is. I think if Reimer puts together a little stretch of games like he did at the start of the season, some team will give something up for him. So not anything of consequence. You are correct, but I got two questions for you on that. Is Reimer going to get a stretch of games <laughs> in which he's able to? And two, if he does, do you have any confidence in him actually playing well in that stretch of games? It's one of those things. Theoretically, could it happen? Absolutely. What's the probability of that? It all depends on what Eisman's saying on the phone. Like, hey, you know, whatever GM, Bob, we're calling up Rogan Rafferty every night. The goalie's not working with too much in front of him. Yeah. He's better than what you can see here. That's the best. He's basically got to turn into Saul Goodman on the phone, honestly. They're not going to be able to sell. If they do sell Reimer, it'll be for a, a whisper, a sixth. Maybe, whatever it is. Yeah, because again, this is always the litmus test. If you put him on waivers right now, is he getting claimed? The answer is no. No. AJ Voss is Dylan Larkin has 43 points in 41 games while Tyler Bertuzzi has 20 and 45 and Anthony Mantha has 21 and 41. Was the MLB line carried by Larkin more than we realized at the time? Apparently. I think we knew it was largely carried by Larkin though. Maybe not to this extent, yeah. but... Yeah, we knew who the who was driving that bus. Dungeon Master of Puppets says, we've seen beautiful Griffins jerseys that pay homage to the Red Wings. How do you design a Wings jersey to pay homage to the Griffins? Oh, I just love the Griffins color scheme. Just make a Red Wings jersey with those colors and you'd be hard-pressed to go wrong. Purple. You Jurassic just, you Park. Just, yeah, do the Jurassic Park Red Wings jersey. You just want a purple jersey overall. Just give me a purple jersey. Yeah. Uh, Jack's dad says, I jumped on the cane train when the rumor mill started heating up, putting him in Detroit. The big knock on him was he was a defensive liability. Given how much he has the puck on his stick in the ozone possession time with him on the ice, can we really say that? Isn't the best defense a good offense? Also, would you have made a play for Perry? Uh, yes, having the puck is good. No, I would not have made a play on Perry. Wouldn't have even made a pass at him. First of all, he's not one of the all-time American great players, so... Uh, already out of the conversation. Yeah, we talked about this on a recent episode. Kane's been better. Def- like his defensive metrics have been good, not because he is like Miro Heiskanen out there or anything, but just because he has the puck on his stick and he can generally contribute to offense happening. That's going to keep the puck away from the other team's offense and your defensive metrics are going to be better for it. So that's been, I think, a little bit of a difference compared to previous 
uh, season and before for Kane where his defensive metrics really fell off. But as long as his hip was really bothering him, his offense wasn't going to be as good. He wouldn't be able to control the puck as much. And so we're seeing something better here. The Mexinadian says, theoretically, who would you trade for from Ottawa at the deadline? Oh. Oh, we got access to the whole team. Uh, Tim Stutzla. I'll take Chikrin. Does Jake Sanderson shoot left or right, or does it even matter? Doesn't matter, and he shoots left. Okay. Yeah. Stutzla, Chikrin, Sanderson. You'll take anything. Ottawa's Ottawa's too good. Their players are too good for them to be this bad. That's what's funny about them. They're the op- the inverse of they're greater than the sum of their parts. Yes. <laughs> Less than the sum of their parts. Anyhow, uh, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. Folks, if you're going to be at Winged Wheel Podcast night with the Grand Rapids Griffins this weekend, we're excited to see you. You should have information in your inbox from the Griffins. If not, just reach out to us or the, uh, the email on the link where you got your tickets. Uh, we're extremely pumped. We'll be back with you with our next episode on Monday, so it'll be delayed a day. We'd like to thank all of you so much for tuning in. Uh, whether you're a new listener or old, it means a lot that you listen to the show. Uh, thanks for bearing with us on days where the news is kind of all over the place. Uh, hopefully on Monday, there'll be a little bit more structure and a couple wings wins to talk to you about. But for now, we'd like to thank all of our patrons, especially our name level supporters on Patreon. Arjun Shanker, Yves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Akefer, Samuel Soderholm, Icon, Brad's Lord and Savior, Bradley Cleveland, Glenn Brabham, Croner's Left Knee, Ashley Van Conant, Sea Lion, Keenan O'Donoghue, Yanni Burgers, Meals on Wheels, Matthew M. Rice, Admiral Matt S. at the Cheesebag Navy, Brad Shin Extensions, Baggins, Carl Brutanananaluski, Carl Provi, Citizen High Five, Clip Clop Nene, Connor Scovey, Craig Kibble, Daddy Bettman Bucks, Denny's Gamer Girl, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Drop the Gloves, Eric Shun, G.O.D. Creatives, Give Blood Fight Probert, Hockey Town Love, Hockey Town Matt, Hassam Al-Kassem, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Joel Miranda, Jonathan Miller, Kaylin Wood, Marcus, Marlon Winchester, Matt K. Cannon Fodder, The Cheesebag Army, Matt McKay, Michael Edland, R.A., Red Feather Desert Dogs, Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Screen Lube, Sprung 88, The Best, That's What I Appreciate About You, Wallman's Elite Dancing D, Wing Commander Debrinkit, brand new name level supporter, welcome to the Dub Dub Club. Iser Plan Stan, General Andy Bohan of the Cheesebag Army, Sam Bankson, AB, Adam Rose, Axel Sandy Pelica, Bellingham Acid Balls, Big Cheese, Brad Simmons, Brian Vasha, Chuck Buffchest, the Tarpless Goon, Commander Ben Barron of the Cheeseback Space Force, Connor, Connor Leighton, Corey Prita, Darren Fick, D-Boss Snip Show, Derek James, Dungeon Master of Puppets, Frank Stanley, Gene Sullivan, Griffey Boy, James Laporte, James Pridemore, Jeremiah Dobo, JM Rhapsody, John Evans Derogatory, John Engels, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Les Grossman's Ungodly Firestorm, Linda Hull, Maximilian, Melissa Erickson, Norris Sider, Ophelia, Reed, Steven, The Hodag, The Mexinadian, The Hat123, These Lions Were Unreal, Winging It in San Diego, ex formerly AA Ron, and your second favorite patron. Thank you all so very much. Go Lions. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.